All right, let's open a time in prayer. Father, I just uh, come to you this morning asking you for, uh, pleading with you for um, an ability to really um, uh, have your spirit um, show up in our time together this morning and to be able to assess, help us um, assess our hearts and to um, cause us to understand um, the things that, as a result of just our humanness and the different um, way you've wired each one in this room, how um, we have every tendency of our hearts to try to um, replace the thing that only you can bring, and that is to make much of your glory in our lives versus our own. And uh, Father, all the tentacles that, that transpire and exude from our hearts because of that great um, mistrust of you and that great um, lack of knowledge of you. Father, I pray that during our time together this week and next week that you would give us a, an incredible uh, perspective that it can only come from, from a divine perspective of, of the very nature of our hearts and the very nature of um, an adversary who passionately wants to keep us from anything and everything that has to do with uh, beholding our God and wholeness of heart towards Him. And Father, may You teach us through these weeks, this this week and next week, Father, to um, know our heart that through Your power of Your Spirit and to be able to acknowledge our own idols in our own hearts be very aware of those things, Father, but more than importantly, to understand what to do about that in our lives as we journey on this road towards um, intimacy with you and developing a Godward heart. Father, may we come to grips with uh, our own troubles, our own heart, in such a way that we would fall on our knees and conclude that uh, uh, we can't get there from here without the power of your spirit and the resurrection power of, of Christ, the cross. And Father, I pray that you would uh, lead us to that end. We ask this in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so hopefully you've been able to uh, spend a minute or two on the homework. Um, the homework was meant to span a, a few weeks so that you could try to um, uh, kind of, I'll call it, ease into... Um, letting the Spirit of God kind of work it from moment to moment, time to time in, in the uh, homework to uh, give you a sense of, uh, for this first, this last week was assessing our hearts. And uh, in assessing our hearts, we, um, we looked at uh, um, a number of things this last week. And if you haven't had a chance to do this yet, really encourage you to do it. Um, this was um, an incredibly valuable experience for me personally, and uh, um, and we'll talk about a few of these things in our time together today. Um, and then, uh, really talking about um, the, the fact that God is the great heart knower. I think that's the most important thing to get out of this homework for this week. Um, he's the great heart knower, and that He has given us absolute tools the Word of God to help dig out our hearts, 
to use the Spirit of God to dig out our hearts as to our motivations, why, why we are the way we are, why we have the feelings we have in our hearts, um, and what is that all about. And then um, this prayer at the, at the bottom of our homework assignment, which is really to allow God, like uh, uh, for Psalm 139, 23, and 24, search me, O God, know my heart, um, and uh, see if there's any way in me that you want to dig out. Does it, is there anybody that doesn't have a printout from the homework assignment? We're not going to really go through it today, but if you want it, it's probably on the bottom of that handout out there. I've, yeah, I, I think there's a couple here. Let me just grab, I'm guessing. Yeah, here they are. Um, did you want one? Uh, Where was that? The very bottom of the first page. Um, yeah. And, and search me, O God, know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts. So, if God knows our hearts, then He can also disclose our hearts to us, is the, is the point there. Um, just any, um, and then this whole point of going deeper, um, really, these questions for me help me to be able to really. Like, write down, I forced myself to write down every one of these things so that I could stare at it and say, like, what, like what's going on and what's the thread through here about my own personal heart and kind of what's going on there. But uh, just uh, without going through this, because I'm not intending to go through this in detail in our group, um, one question I felt, like, really helped me a lot, which was, uh, undergoing deeper called um, finish this statement my life would be perfect if dot 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 my life would be perfect if dot 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 I think it's number four right um, any any just cursory things across the uh, that, that any, anybody wanted to share just personally I mean my life would be perfect if I mean for me it real, this one helped me really kind of crystallize maybe why I'm thinking the way I have thought my whole life without kind of like coming to grips with it completely. Um, for me, a couple key, key ones were um, my life would be perfect if I could be perfect or the best at some whatever the thing is I put my hand to. <laughs> like um, my life would be perfect if I could be perfect at that thing. And that helped me understand, like, there's a huge, like, not just thread, but taproot in my life about just excellence, being excellent. There's nothing wrong with being excellent or trying to be good. The question isn't that. It's why am I doing that? Does that make sense? Like, that's the question when I ask why I'm doing that that way. Um, it's, it's not, I mean, God, God encourages us to be excellent to, as unto Him, right? Um, but maybe I'm being excellent, or I am being excellent at least a lot of my life in, you know, my own desire to want to either measure up, you know, or somehow um, be able to say, like, other people can see that, maybe, or um, be well thought of by, by so-and-so or such-and-such. Um, that's, an ex- that's a key example of, of one in my life. Any, any thoughts of anybody want to share uh, how you might finish that statement? 
about about five or six other ones. <laughs> Any other ones? Mine would be if everybody else around me would cooperate. With <laughs> if everybody around me would cooperate with you, I love it. Because I just was been struggling, like you know, living with old Matt and Lauren. Like there's so much, so many times that my time is not what I had had. Yeah. And you know, I want to sit down and study this, and I want to do this, and I want it to be, but that's not going to happen. And you know, there's a lot of interruptions, and anyway. Yeah. But that, that, that just like, I need to look deeper into myself. I mean, but it speaks loudly. But if everyone else around me would cooperate, that would be. I could get fine. some things done, and everything life would be just perfect. Well, I I resonate completely with you. I have the one next to that one. It's not exactly the same words, but it's. Um, my life would be perfect if everyone served my world. <laughs> like, like, what about this? Don't doesn't everybody else understand? <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Uh, I mean, those are two of my mine at least. I have a number of other ones. Um, any others? Anybody want to share? Um, Okay, well, you know, another another one for my, myself personally was that I came to grips with was uh, my life would be perfect if quote I didn't have to worry so much about money anymore. That for me was kind of a key thing, and 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 when I went back and asked a few questions about that, just personally, growing up in the mission field, it was really hard because we never had any money whatsoever, and I always said to myself, if I have the opportunity, I want to give my family a little bit more than I had. Well, first of all, I don't even know if that's right or biblical, right? Um, but number two, it helped me understand, like, like where's this? Where did this come from? A little bit. Does that make sense to everybody? But once you kind of fill in the blanks on a lot of these questions, and just force yourself to write them down, then you can stare at them and start to this week um, go go deeper into quote identifying my idols. Last week, it's just about like asking questions and putting it down on paper and trying to fill in the blanks. This week's it's about like drawing dots from lines from dots and seeing what that does that look like in our hearts. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah? And then going deeper this week has a lot more uh, points in it from the standpoint of uh, identifying my idols. Uh, give you a whole bunch of, uh, I don't know, maybe 20, 15, 20 different places to think through about those things. So, any questions at all as far as uh, homework or what's going on there? Everybody okay with that? I also handed out for this week um, a key uh, handout. Uh, uh, should have it out there. It's uh, um, by Tim Keller. Tim Keller wrote uh, Psalm 23, um, uh, Meditations uh, by the Shepherd. Um, which is really, really, really good. He, he has a few other books, too. Um, but he wrote, this is an excerpt from his book, How to Find Your Rival Gods. L- small g. Should have had just small g, but anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, he does a really good job in here, kind of distilling, identifying your idols, replacing your idols. Um, and some, some follow-up comments on that. So I thought that would be really helpful there uh, to take a look at. Okay, well, let's get started if we can. Um, uh, we are in this uh, third section of uh, our crystallizing the call called our worship, and we uh, 
we, we move from uh, looking at the Feast of Christian Hedonism to Idols of the Heart. And last week was our first week. This is our second week. Next week will be our third week. And then we'll transition and Samuel start uh, on uh, stilling, our quiet, stilling our hearts um, there. So last time we got together, we looked at crystallizing the call. And uh, underneath here, we, we really talked about um, that there's only two decisions in our life. It's either pleasing ourselves or glorifying and pleasing God. Um, we, we looked at the fact that because we've been purchased with this most precious price in the universe, um, we should glorify God in all aspects of our lives. Uh, we looked at uh, the fact that um, we, we are commanded after we've come to Christ to um, conscientiously put aside or lay aside our old life and put on our new self. Put on our new self, and we talked a little bit about last time about that. We had a great conversation about that. Um, we also, um, second to last year, um, uh, God's purpose is for our hearts to be all His, and that we are to um, commune with Him, um, uh, whether it's this life or next life. And then the last one here, we looked at Revelation, and we saw we saw, saw that uh, intimacy with God really is experiential in nature. And, uh, and I just want to build on that from the standpoint of the f- fact that he says here, our intimacy with God prepares us for the harvest or the reaping, if you would. And we, we talked about, like, all of us are going to be part of a reaping one way or another, be it de- death or um, uh, uh, death, uh, natural death, um, martyrdom of some kind, or... Uh, or, or, or the second coming of Christ, the, you know, the rapture. And so, uh, as we think about um, that, um, God is in the process of preparing our hearts for knowing Him in a very different way. And last time we got together, just before we left, we talked about how all of us have pain points in our lives that are very different than each other's. Um, could be a death of a loved one. could be a death of a very close friend. Could be uh, a child that doesn't know Christ. It could be um, incredible pain that comes through suffering in this life. It could be um, major surgeries. It could be um, uh, pers- uh, persecution of some kind. Um, it could be um, having having had cancer. Last night we were talking. Dave Torres says he has this huge uh, alignment with uh, with uh, Mel Boyle, <laughs> in that they've had this, you know, amp- not the uh, the knee replacement, you know, and so they have this connection, you know, experientially. Um, but all of us will have a very different, unique um, journey. Um, that 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 if that hadn't been in our lives, like we wouldn't know God the way we know Him today. And it's because of that that we 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 have learned to commune with Him at a different level than maybe the person sitting next to us, and that's personal that's experiential like no one can take that away from you and um and you you alone have that um in in that in that way so to speak um so let's go on and talk about our worship our learning objectives Uh, don't you love this picture isn't that a great picture that is a great picture that's my heart (laughs) uh it's not a red heart it's a black heart and it's got these tentacles off coming off of it like this (laughs) i wish it wasn't my heart right um but but I, you know all of us are in a journey of, of removing the tentacles and translate transferring this from black to you know to red if you would 
um, to make it a, 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 a healthy heart and a whole heart, so to speak. Um, our learning objectives are to introduce us to the true nature of idols and idolatry. Second, to conclude, uh, most importantly, that I personally am a worshiper of idols. Um, I'm, I'm, I am an idol worshiper. Um, number three is that um, uh, to understand the impact my idols are having on my personal intimacy with God, to, fight, to uh, completely understand the implications of my idols on my intimacy with God. And last but not least is to begin to disentangle my heart, to discover my idols and what to do about them. To discover my idols and what to do about them. So does that make sense? So introduce us to what the scriptures say about idols, the nature of them, the um, scriptural uh, uh, implications of, of idol, idol, idols and idolatry in to God. And then um, to conclude that I'm an idol worshiper, understand the implications upon my intimacy with him, and to figure out, like, once I know what mine are, like, what do I do about it? Make sense? Yeah? Okay. Let's go. Um, so, what do we mean by idols or, idolat- or idolatry? Um, if you, let me ask you this question. If you were to uh, describe on an elevator going to a, the 22nd floor with somebody, um, what, what, is, what is an idol? How would you describe that, biblically? Obsession with... Isn't it okay to be obsessed with God? Okay. So, is an idol always a bad thing? Well, it it it's, because it can be described in many different ways. Yeah, right? so yeah. If, if like you, idol is something you revere, yeah. you, you are obsessed with. So yeah, God is your idol. Yeah, you no, God. yeah, no. I think that's a really good point. Um, really good point. Go ahead. Okay. As an example, maybe. Yeah. Become a stumbling block, or yeah, stum- like a stum- become a stumbling block to somebody. Okay. So you could become a, a stumbling block to them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, go ahead. Your decisions are also made from idols. Yes. A lot of your days I'm my idol, and I'm selfish. Yep. Every decision from that 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 idol. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So um, decisions will follow on from our idols. Um, so an idol is created in our lives when we seek happiness, peace, fulfillment, contentment, or joy in a person or thing, or experience, independent of God. Independent of God and all that He is and all that He longs to provide us. Independent of God and all that He is and all that He longs to provide us with. Um, so that's what an idol is. has lots of ramif- uh, c- components to it. Um, uh, let's take a look at Exodus 23 3-6. Exodus 20, 3 through 6. If somebody gets that, why don't you go ahead and read it out loud for us. I have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in the above on the earth. Do not worship them or serve them. I, the Lord your God, and the jealous God, Father, those showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love Okay, them. so... Um, uh, according to this verse... He, by the way, this is the first of the Ten Commandments. The, is, there, is there any significance why it's the first? I mean, obviously, there must be, because God's, God's a God of order, right? God's a God of uh, importance. Yeah. I think it's the most important, because yes. like, if you 
have other gods, you're gonna all these other commandments are gonna be broken. Right? And the other, yeah, the other things he says not to do are gonna flow from the fact that you have a wrong perspective of some kind about God. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So it has great significance. It is like the most important of all of them is that you would have no other guys. And he goes on in verse um, verse five, and he says, "You shall not what them and 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 or worship them and or serve them, love them." So stamping out worship, stamping out serve. That's his point. Is like you should have. What's the difference between worship and serve? If you were just explain it real quick. Praise or service. Okay, so worship is praise or honor or think much of, right? Um, in this language, it's to put in the same place of God, okay? And serve means that I bow down to it. I actually obey it. I, I follow it. I, um, it, it. It affects the decisions of my heart as I go to action my life. Does that make sense? So he says, you shall not... Worship it or serve them at all. Um, yeah. Would it kind of be. Like yeah. You one what you serve, you will worship, we're going to find yeah. interestingly enough. And what you wor- what you serve, you will worship. Yeah, because I can serve God, but we're, like, in my heart, I'm like, this thing Exactly. Absolutely. And He wants those two aligned, yeah. which, you know, however it goes. And that, He calls that good, right? Remember, we talked about what's good, right? Um, uh, turn to Romans 1. Romans 1, uh, would somebody read verses 21 through 25? So, so what is this saying as to how idolatry comes into existence. He says, verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and as a result, they what? Worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. That, that right there sums, up, sums it all up in one verse. Okay? So, they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Why did they do that? Yeah. Is the creature in here? Is, is that all of creation? Or is that just man? It's any creation, okay. like any created thing, could be. It could, it could be uh, other people. It could be the demonic world. It could be um, things. Okay, it could be other than God. anything other than God. Okay. Yep. And so, what, why do, why do they do that? According to this verse. Yes. So they believe a lie about. God. So they believe a lie about God. That could come into, quote, who he is or what he's done. Okay? Yep. In other words, what he's made that for, right? I mean, it's a good thing, but in a bad place, maybe. Okay? So a lie about who God is. So a fabrication of the truth, something less than who he is, is why we have idolatry. Okay? So, what are the implications of that then as it pertains to, like, knowing God? I mean, what's the antidote to a lie? It's to know the truth, right? And so, 
That's idolatry. And, and what's fascinating here is that he says in verse 23, that's the beginning, back to what, what, what Squall said. That's the most important thing. And what he says here is that once you give in to idolatry in your life, the next step on the horizon is right here. It's impurity. Impurity. Verse 24. He says, Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity. The therefore is because of what? Because of idolatry. Because of having wrong thoughts about God, one now moves to impurity in their, in their life. What's impurity? Okay, sin. The word impurity actually speaks of the contents that come from the grave. <laughs> means decayed matter, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and then he goes on in verse 26, he says, For this reason, now that impurity exists in the heart, he says, God gave them over to, quote, degrading passions. Okay, so now we move from impurity into immorality. Immorality. So the heart goes from idolatry to impurity to immorality. Okay? And then we see in verse 28, he says, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which are not proper. So he goes on from immorality to depravity. Depravity. And then from there what we see is he, he goes on right after this in, verse, in uh, verse 29 through 31. And, 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 in, and here what we see is like uh, 21 different sins spelled out. Um, and in verse 32 he says, Although they knew the ordinance of God, they did, who practiced these things are, are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. So these people become habitual and defiant. Habitual and defiant um, in, in, in the way in which they live their lives. Um, fascinating. So, idolatry to impurity to immorality to depravity to all kinds of, of, of sins that just explode f- from there on. Just... In front of our faces. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and, it's, it's and it all stems from this. Believing lies about God yeah. and not knowing who He is. Yeah. Yeah. All comes from there. Because if I do, I will worship and serve that instead of God, he says. The creature rather than the creator. Any other thoughts or comments? Okay, so uh, that's an idol. Idolatry is the worship of our idols. Idolatry is the worship of our idols. Worship of our idols. Idolatry is any speculation and lofty thing, thing, not think, thing, 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 raised up against the, quote, knowledge of God. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Somebody want to read verses 3 through 5 for us? Okay, so idolatry is this is anything that speculates or like raised up 
when he says raised up, it means to be raised up in place of God. Um, and it's the knowledge of God. So it's the mind here is what matters. Because from our minds will come our decisions. From our decisions will come our actions. And we can trace those actions back up to our heart. Does that make sense? So, like, if I think wrongly about God in a certain way, it's going to affect how I live my life. It's going to affect what I make decisions on. Um, So, idolatry is any speculation. It's wrong thoughts about who God is and what He's done. Who God is and what He's done. Um, Idolatry is false teaching. It's actually the the summation of of a worldview that's that's in it uh, is against God. Um, so, which in essence uh, t- substitutes human ideas and sophistry, sophistry, sophistry. How do I say it? For the absolute truth of God's word. So, this the different dimensions of this have huge ramifications. Like if you just ask. Like, like, what are all the ism words that you know? Relativism, moralism, um, hedonism, materialism, rationalism, oh. monotheism. I just stood in front of a thing that said Gnosticism. Yeah. <laughs> at, at the bookstore. I'm like, yeah. oh. Gnosticism, oh, it's, it's making a huge comeback. It, <laughs> it really is. It's, it's all it built into you know, this whole uh, spirituality. It's all built into this whole um, uh, 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 New Age movement um, completely. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's pantheism. I mean, you name it. At the end of the day, it's really, um, I'll call it, everything that's raised up against the knowledge of God could be wrapped up in three words. Doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons. So that would say that all lies are doctrines of demons that are raised up against the, the knowledge of God um, in our lives. So idolatry and false teaching are synonymous terms. Next, I, idolatry is spiritual adultery. Not only is idolatry the worship of our idols, but it's spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery. Um, spiritual adultery is unfaithfulness to God. Unfaithfulness to God. It is having an undue fondness for the things of the world. An undue fondness for the things of the world. Um, we'll talk more about that today. Uh, why is why is idolatry then, or being a lover of my idols, so egregious to God then? Because I don't believe that we'll really do business with our idols until we understand the implications of them. Turning your back. Turning my back on God. On things of God. On things of God, and really then, as a result, really Him, right? I'm, I'm trying to live my life somehow outside of communion with Him, intimacy with Him, fellowship with Him, acknowledging Him for who He is, putting Him in His rightful place, thinking highly of Him, making much of Him to others. I, I mean, you just keep going on and on, right? Uh, Squall? I think it's like... Hmm? Yeah. Which is Amen. Weird. Amen. Amen. Because they've, they're wedded to the world. Yeah. They, and so when they see somebody else trying to, to pursue the same lover... 
um, they're like they're no different than me, so to speak. So yeah. So. Take it back to square one. Uh, who created man? God did. Mm-hmm. And what was to be the foundation of man? God was. Mm-hmm. But with the introduction of sin into the world, the foundation now had the ability to be changed. Yeah. So God was no longer the foundation. The idols were became the foundation. Yep. And every step therefore, either God was your foundation and you went that road, yep. or the idols were your foundation, and now here you go into impurity, immorality, depravity, Amen. So Amen. And just, I mean, think of the Matthew passage, right? You cannot serve two masters, right? It's as simple as that. You cannot serve two masters. It's, 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 an, it's, a, it's a, you know, uh, it's a universal axiom that can't be broken. Um, we can't serve two masters. Um, spiritual adultery is analogous to the unfaithfulness of one spouse. Um, God calls this out and literally um, uh, makes a much of it. He, he uses this word. We saw it in... Uh, in fact, Linda, you mentioned it in uh, in our uh, in our uh, John Piper series, where he's talking about the um, prostitute. You know, he calls calls her a harlot, right? Well, God uses that word, that very same word, harlot and harlotries, um, to talk about his own people, the Jewish people who who turn their back on him. And so he, he calls them out on that. And, and, and in, in Jeremiah 3.20, he says this. Um, if you look at Ezekiel 16.30, let's take a look at that one. Ezekiel 16.30. <clears throat> Somebody got that? How languishing heart declares the Lord God. While you do all these things, old face. Wow. Wow. So go back to verse 2. He says, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations. Her abominations. Look at verse 8. Then I passed by you, and I saw you, and behold, you, uh, the Jewish nation, were at the time were at the time for love. So I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness, and I also swore to you and entered into a covenant with you so that you would become mine declares the Lord God. Verse 14, Then your fame went out forth from the, from the, among the nations on account of your beauty, for it was your beauty because of my splendor which I bestowed on you. It wasn't your own beauty, it was beauty because of my splendor, my glory. Verse 15, But you trusted in your beauty and, quote, played the harlot because of your fame, and you poured out your harlotries or your unfaithfulness on every passerby who was who might be willing. Um, and verse 35, Therefore, O harlot, hear now the word of the Lord. And, and he then lets them have it. Um, so, this God views this as like the most important thing as to his relationship with us is a lack of spiritual adultery in our hearts. And every one of us has this to some extent. The question is, is how do we... Stop it. Um, our idols are the greatest contribute, contributor to our lack of intimacy. Our idols are our greatest contributor to our lack of intimacy. And this is going to what Squall said earlier, is we become what we worship. We become 
what we would worship. And I'll make a statement, and that is that um, I've, this is what I've concluded um, so far, is that I can never have the intimacy or communion or fellowship with God that I desire until I acknowledge and obliterate the idols in my life. I can never have the intimacy or communion or fellowship with God that I so passionately desire until I acknowledge and obliterate the idols in my life. No. No. I was thinking of the verse, he's striving and know. Yeah. Because until we striving, and so we can hear right. and know, it's just, and Satan, us and, you know, whatever it takes to distract us. Absolutely. It's easy road to go down. Exactly. No lie. And it, it was just, it just reminds me of our study, just uh, on Mary and Martha, and then, how Mary said at his feet, she just, or, or, or when she anointed him, you know, that intimacy with him, that just little abandoned yeah. worship. Amen. You know, just to get to Amen. 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 Completely agree. Completely agree. Amen. Preach it, sister. destroy ISIS. It's this obliterate them. <laughs> sometime, down the, sometime down the road, I'll destroy them. <laughs> now I'll just degrade them. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Completely obliterate them. Wipe them out. It doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Yeah. But like it just sort of goes against obliterate people. People think God's like a hippie. Yeah. Yeah. Love, peace, yeah. Love, so like, oh. yeah. It, took, it takes obliteration yep. in order to. Yep. Decapitation. Let's do it. Oh, do it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I think there's another word that you can use for obliterate. It's mm-hmm. repentance. Yeah. Very much. The real word is in order to, in order to get to obliteration, yeah. repentance oh, yeah. must occur. Absolutely. Again and again and again. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want you to. Uh, A.W. Tozer is one of my heroes um, from, for a lot of reasons. Um, he has some phenomenal um, abilities to ar- architect the, the message in a way that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'd like to just go around, if you could, and read these off the top of your head. Maybe, uh, Kathy, can you start? Um, just read it out loud. Oh, right at the top? Yeah. Okay. Let us be. <clears throat> excuse me. Let us be. Let us. Let us beware lest we in our pride accept the that idolatry consists only in kneeling before that civilized people are... Done. The essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of Him. It begins in the mind and may be present where no overt act of worship has taken place. Okay, Mick. Among the sins thrown, hardly any other hateful idolatry is at bottom a libel on his character. Idolatrous heart assumes that God himself a monstrous sin and likeness. Okay, Linda. A gotten in the shadows of a fallen heart will quite naturally no true <coughs> Cheryl? Wrong ideas about God are not only the fountain from which fires of idolatry flow, 
They are themselves idolaters. Idolater simply imagines things about God and acts as if they were. Mary? Perverted notions about God soon rot the religion in which they appear. The long career of Israel demonstrates this and the history. Amen. So, what are some ways in your mind that we imagine wrong things about God and act as if they were true? What are some examples of that? God is not a God that would deal with things, harsh manners that we see that He does. Yeah. You know, like people say, well, if, you know, if God was a God of love. How can He how judge? Can he let this happen? Yeah. You know, and I think that's a. Yep, you know, that's a really big one. Yeah. Others. Yeah, that's what came to my mind. Yeah. People will just, oh, you know, well, the gay and homosexual. Oh, but God wants us to be. Yeah. The there you go. That's a good God one. Romans 1. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Romans 1. Yeah, God wants us to be happy. Wouldn't do that. Yeah, I know yeah. one that I've seen a few times. Mm. Mm. That's a really good one. That God is not able? Yep. Try to pervert the ideas of God to suit what we want to do. Mm-hmm. God would allow that. God would let me to do that. Right. Oh. Yeah, so... Said a different way, maybe you know. I mean, they're not really saying this, but they are saying this, which is that you know, God exists to please me, right? I mean, that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what other ones? Sadistic. Say it again. Sadistic. Okay. Uh huh. Yep. 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 Um, another one I came up with was you know, God really doesn't have my best interest at heart. Um, another one is, if he really loved me, he would dot dot dot. <laughs> if he really loved me, he would dot dot dot. Just the very communication of that really is offensive to God because, like, like he, like he's my genie, right? I'm making him my servant. Um, another, yeah, yeah, equality. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Another one is I can't see. Uh, God can't see and doesn't really know about my thoughts or my sins. Like, especially if the lights off, you know, like like lights off. <laughs> yeah, motion sensor. God's got a, God's the God's God's the great motion sensor. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think those are some really good ones. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to talk about the nature of idols. What do we know about idols? Turn with me to 1 John uh, chapter 2. And uh, we're going to look at verses 15 and 16. Before we get there and read them, I wanted to give you two quotes, though. One is that too many people forget that Satan desires to sift us like wheat. So he, is, so he can steal, slaughter, kill, and destroy us and everything that is good. Worldliness, we're going to talk about what that means, opens the door to I'll say our idols in all forms of evil in our personal life, relationships, and ministries. So we're going to talk more about what that means. What is worldliness? But the whole point here is we have a great adversary who wants to use our idols or our thirstings or passions for those idols to um, distract us somehow. Secondly, from Jerry Bridges, who, who, 
wrote the be- one of the best books on holiness and godliness. He, he talks about worldliness is being attached to, engrossed in, or preoccupied with the things of this temporary life. Things of this temporary life. Um, and we're going to talk more about that also. So, underneath what we know about idols, I want to talk about a number of things. One has to do with the worship principle. The second has to do with the essential ingredients in idols in verse 16. And then verse 17, I want to talk about the promise of idols. So we'll start with the worship principle first. Worship principle is that either we will love this world or we will love God. There is nothing in between. Um, it's kind of like you know those balloons that only have so much air in them. You squeeze it into this side. It either goes over here. You go over here and squeeze it back. It goes over here. Like, you can't, to the extent that it's over here, it's not over here. (laughs) Does that make sense? So you can only have have it in one place or the other. Um, And so um, the world and all it contains is the lure. Somebody read for us 15 through 16. Well, 15 through 17. Let's go ahead and read 15 through 17. Anybody? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Thank you, Cheryl. So the world here is all, uh, uh, and all it contains is is this lure. It's the it, I'll call it the mega lure. It's the mega lure of our lives. There is no other mega lure, really, and and, and the adversary uses this lure in our hearts. Um, it is uh, it is the world is the is the value system, quote unquote, that has been set up by Satan, the god of this world, um, and stands in opposition to God stands in opposition to God. Um, you don't have to turn there. I'll turn there and read it for you. Second Corinthians 4.4 4 says, um, In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the, the God of this world has used this world to blind the minds of all unbelievers in such a way, and I'll, I'll say deceive, deceive unbelievers. Well, it also goes to deceiving and distracting us, too. Yeah. Which is appropriate, though. Uh-huh. Yeah. Obviously, it's because it distracts us and happens, but like that. Yeah. That's why we usually right. like a lot of people fear, serve out of fear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And don't even fear God anymore. Yep. Like, yep. Like, it's just, Amen. Um, but he, but he has um, deceived the world. And he uses, his lure is, the mega lure is the world itself. And the mega lure has multiple dimensions and aspects to it, which we're going to get into next. Um, so this worship principle is that you're going to serve somebody. And it's either going to be the world, i.e. yourself too, or God. Um, the world here is the system of evil under Satan's control. The the system of evil under Satan's control. Uh, John twelve thirty one. We won't look at it due to time, but he calls it the he calls him the ruler of this world. He calls him the ruler of this world. Um, the world system um, 
is its contrived and deceitful scheme of phony values, worthless pursuits, and unnatural affections. Values, what we think think is important. Pursuits, what we are um, going after. And affections, what we, what, what we want, if you would. Um, and so, uh, that's what this is, is put together. And he's taken every one of these things, and you see a dichotomy between what God would want to have wanted it to be, which would have been good, and what Satan has built it to be, which is evil. Um, the, uh, idolatry is the loving of the world, and what is in the world, including being devoted to how the world thinks. So this thinking is what, we'll, what we're going to refer to as this worldview. So there's either a biblical worldview or a world worldview, worldliness view. Those are the two, quote, kingdoms set, set in opposite <laughs> against each other. Um, and, and that one uh, is filled with the way ideologies, philosophies, priorities, and treasures. Treasures. So, the things that are important that people are in hot pursuit of. Romans 12.2, if you remember, says, you know, um, don't be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of my mind um, so that I would be able to understand what the will of God is in my life. How do I become renewed in my mind? It's, it's thinking oppositely of the way the world thinks. The world thinks this way, and I need, I need to train myself to think this way. That's the only way that we can take captive our minds. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. So that, that's the key thing there. Loving this world is idolatry. My question, though, is are desires wrong? Why or why not? I think of Psalm 37.4, right? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Um, Psalm 73 talks about, besides you, I desire nothing on this earth. What, what, are desires wrong? Why or why not? Do you think? Desires in and of themselves right or wrong. Okay. I go back, you know, has anybody ever seen a house built on two foundations? A house is built on one foundation. Mm. Foundation God or the world. Mm. Based upon that foundation, now, you're, if you're foundation is God, your desires are going to be based on what God would desire for you. And if your foundation is of the world, then you're going to have wrongful desires. Mm. Right. Right. I was just, like praying prior to like want to yep. like, I can't, I don't want to like do that. Yeah. What I want to do is touch the Do my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. My mom tells me have to like change your heart and like it's yep. Amen. God has given us desires and our desires. The question is are is are our desires in in alignment with with him? Do they line up with him? To the extent that they do, he's going to bless that. To the extent that they don't, we're going to always be searching and wanting and never fulfilled. It will reveal our hearts, too. That's very much so. Out, yeah. yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. We are in a war, in a constant battle for the desires or lusts of our hearts. The battle is not out there. The battle is, quote, in here, in my heart. 
Um, it's not the lure that's the problem. The problem is the lust or the desire that's in my heart for the lure. And I think that's so important for us to get is like, just because I have a desire uh, for something doesn't mean that that something is bad. It's the, it's the why I have a, a desire for that. Because you know what? You, you dangle the diff- a different lure in front of somebody else that's sitting next to you. They don't care. Doesn't doesn't affect them at all. But it affects you. Why? The lure didn't change. It's your heart that changed. <laughs> it's your wantings, if you would. Um, and so the passions we choose to forge in our souls will determine the outcome of our worship. The little decisions that we make time and time again in our hearts are going to determine the outcome of our worship. Um, I'm going to go through the rest of these really quickly here and just stay with me and we'll finish this up. Uh, when we choose to um, cling to our idols by becoming friends with the world, we are committing spiritual adultery. James 4 says, you know, you, you, know you, you are friends with the world is an enemy of God, right? The world is designed to lure us away from a pure relationship with God. And love for it pushes out love for the Father. And it is physically impossible, this is what we talked about earlier, to love both worlds. Both, our, both this world and, uh, or our idols and God at the same time. It's physically impossible. It's a universal axiom that has to be, if you would. And so um, who or what wins these battles and this war will be what we treasure most. Um, we will serve that. We will treasure it. And therefore we will worship it. Back to the front end that we looked at on the, on the top of the... Over here, here, uh, there. Um, Verse 16 is the essential ingredients of our idols. They're made up of our fallen humanness. Fallen humanness. Um, That's our affections, our appetites, our aspirations. Um, And so, uh, these are broken into three different groupings. Most of you are aware of these, but I want to give them to you really quickly. Lust of the flesh, which is our affections. And that's a thirst or affection for sensual satisfaction. Lust of the eyes, which is our appetite, is a thirst or appetite for, quote, more, for more. Um, And the pride of life has to do with our aspirations, which is really a thirst or aspiration of mine to make much of me. Make much of me. It's self-satisfaction in who I am, what I have, and what I've done. Um, And and so it's making much of me. the great news about our idols in verse 17 is he says here, the world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. And so this world as we know it is passing away. Um, our sin nature is going to pass away. That's the great news. Uh, we know that Revelation 21, he says, the things of Adam, the things of this world, the things the f- of the first things are going to be gone forever. They're going to be, quote, obliterated forever. Yeah. And the great news is that those who do the will of God will abide forever. And so that abiding forever, the word abide there is tied directly to live abundantly. So it's those who do the will of God will live abundantly both now and forever. <laughs> At all times from now till, till, till forever, if that makes sense. And so um, that's the good thing to know is that why would we want to... Um, give our lives over, either our passions, our affections, our aspirations, or our um, appetites towards something that doesn't fulfill and won't last. 
that's the question of, on, the, on the table for each one of us. Why would we choose that? Why would we make that decision? That, that's crazy. Um, I, as I think about my own life, that's, cr- that's a crazy decision. Like, that's just going to end up in incredible pain and problems. But he offers a much sweeter song. Much sweeter song. Any, any closing comments, thoughts? Yeah. Well, I just have a question. Um, like I said, I know we're kind of breaking down what idols are, and, and I'm maybe trying to. Are that going to lead us to how to. Uh, next week. How to. Like, yep. Okay. That's yep. Next week. Yep. Next week we'll, we will. Next, so next week we will talk about um, what we can learn from the scriptures about idols. We'll talk about warnings from the scriptures, and then most importantly, uh, a biblical response to what to do with my idols. Like, what do I do? What? Okay, now I know what they are. Um, ha, what do I got to do? What, what do I got to do about them to obliterate them? <laughs> that's the that's that's the goal. Uh, uh, Good. Would somebody like to close us in prayer? Squall, can you? Yeah. Not just uh, word of the Lord as we leave, but throughout our week that we just continue to be in it. So, and the things that we thought of with um, Thank you, Grace Lord, your Son Jesus Christ. What happens that that's Lord and that, be, um, that we just continue to worship the name of the Lord and lead others to Christ? Just to bring you to the Lord. Amen. Have a wonderful day.